You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the July 28, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles, the next chapter in Colorado's decarbonization story, written by Alan Best. $100 million in funding comes through for Arkansas Valley Conduit, written by Jan Wundra. Survey work of U.S. 50 and U.S. 291 intersection will have traffic impact, written by Ark Valley Voice staff. And BV trustees pass development water allocation and dedication policy to address town's water supply, written by Carly Winchell, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, the next chapter in Colorado's decarbonization story, this posted by Alan Best. Colorado is starting another chapter in what could be a future history book, How We Decarbonized Our Economy. In that book, electricity will be the easy part, at least the storyline through an 80% to 90% reduction in emissions. That chapter is incomplete. We may not figure out 100% emissions-free electricity on a broad scale for a couple more decades. This new chapter is about tamping down emissions associated with buildings. This plot line will be more complicated. Instead of dealing with a dozen or so coal plants, we have hundreds of thousands of buildings in Colorado, maybe more. Most burn natural gas and propane to heat space and water. I would start this chapter on August 1st. Appropriately, that's Colorado Day. It's also the day that Excel Energy and Colorado Springs Utilities will deliver the nation's very first clean heat plans to state regulators. Those clean heat plans required by a 2021 law will tell state agencies how they intend to reduce emissions from the heat they sell to customers. The targets are 4% by 2025 and 22% by 2030. Wishing I had a sex scandal to weave into this chapter, or at least something lurid, maybe a conspiracy or two. Think Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway in Chinatown. Arguments between utilities and environmental advocates remain polite. Both sides recognize the need for new technologies. The disagreements lie in how best to invest resources that will pay off over time. The environmental groups see great promise in electrification, particularly the use of air source heat pumps. Heat pumps milk the heat out of even very cold air, or in summer, coolness from hot air. Good enough for prime time? I know of people in Avon, Fraser, and Gunnison who say heat pumps deliver even on the coldest winter days. Excel says that heat pumps have a role, but cautions that cold temperatures and higher elevations impair their performance by about 10% as compared to testing in coastal areas. They will need backup gas heat or electric resistance heating. 
After two winters of testing at the National Research Energy Laboratory in Golden, the testing of heat pumps will move to construction trailers set up in Leadville, Colorado's two-mile city. Excel also frets about adding too much demand too quickly to the electrical grid. Another, perhaps sharper, argument has to do with other fuels that would allow Excel to use its existing gas pipelines. Excel and other gas utilities have put out a request for renewable natural gas, such as could be harvested from dairies. Excel also plans to create hydrogen from renewable resources, blending it with natural gas. It plans a demonstration project using existing infrastructure in Adams County, northeast of Denver. Jeff Ling, Excel Energy's vice president for energy and sustainability policy, talks about the need for a spectrum of different approaches. It is far too early, Ling told me, to take any possible technology off the table. In a 53-page analysis. Western Resource Advocates (WRA) sees a greater role for weatherization and other measures to reduce demand for gas. It sees renewable gas, in particular, but also hydrogen, as more costly and slowing the broad market transformation that is necessary. I think there's a real tension that came out between different visions of a low-carbon future when it comes to the gas system. Mira Fickling, an economist with WRA, told me, "We already have a huge ecosystem of energy, a huge investment in natural gas. Just think of all the natural gas lines buried under our streets. No wonder this transition will be difficult. It's more difficult because everything you do in the gas sector now has a spillover effect in the electric sector." Says Jeff Ackerman, the former chair of the Colorado Public Utilities Commission, each of these sectors move in less than smooth, elegant steps. We don't want people to fall off one and onto the other and get lost in the transition. There has to be sufficient energy of whatever type. Getting back to the book chapter, Colorado has nibbled around the edges of how to end emissions from buildings. With these proceedings, Colorado is moving headlong into this very difficult challenge. The foreplay is done. It's action time. Excel talks about a decades-long transition and stresses the need to understand realistic limitations in regard to both technologies and circumstances. Keep in mind, 25 years ago, it had little faith in wind and even less in solar. Do you see a role for Jack Nicholson in hearings and so forth during the next year? I don't. Even so, it promises to be a most interesting story. That by Alan Best, Big Pivots. Alan Best publishes Big Pivots, which keeps track of the energy and water transitions in Colorado. Find him at bigpivots.com. Editor's note: Excel Energy launched its wind source pilot program in Wyoming in 1998. That story, the next chapter in Colorado's decarbonization story, posted by Alan Best. Next up, $100 million in funding comes through for Arkansas Valley Conduit. This posted by Jan Wondra. Hickenlooper Bennett applaud $100 million in bipartisan infrastructure law funds for Ark Valley Conduit. 
Today, U.S. Senators John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett applauded a Bureau of Reclamation announcement of $100 million in new bipartisan infrastructure law funding for the Arkansas Valley Conduit, a planned 130-mile water delivery system from the Pueblo Reservoir to almost 40 rural communities and 50,000 Coloradans throughout the Arkansas River Valley in southeast Colorado. In May, the Senators thanked Bureau of Reclamation Commissioner Camille Tutan for her visit to Pueblo for the project's groundbreaking and urged Reclamation to release additional funding to speed up completion of the six-decade-long project. Southern Coloradans have been waiting decades for clean drinking water. Now, thanks to our bipartisan infrastructure law, it's in our reach, said Hickenlooper. In honor of the announcement, Hickenlooper and Tutan recorded a TikTok announcing the funding. Since my earliest days in the Senate, I've fought to ensure the federal government keeps its word and finishes this vital infrastructure project for Southeast Colorado, said Bennett. Today's announcement marks the single largest investment in the conduit's history. I'm grateful to have helped deliver this new funding to provide safe, clean water to nearly 40 communities and 50,000 Coloradans along the Arkansas River. Hickenlooper and Bennett have consistently advocated for increased funding for the AVC. In January, Hickenlooper and Bennett joined in a letter to urge reclamation to allocate additional resources through annual appropriations and bipartisan infrastructure law funding. Chafee County is the third largest financial contributor to the Southeastern Colorado Water Conservancy District Board, SCWCD, through the mill levy, said Chafee County Commissioner Greg Felt. After it became apparent that this is the year that the completion of the conduit will finally be funded. He holds the single Chafee County seat on the board of the SCWCD and has sought to help Chafee residents understand that this is important here as well. It's because our property valuations are so high. A lot of counties don't have much of their county in the district, but we have a lot. We benefit tremendously from the imported water from the Fry Ark. That supplemental water used by our municipalities and the Upper Arc, and we're working with the agricultural community to facilitate their ability to avail themselves of this extra water when it's available. Hickenlooper and Bennett also requested funding for the project in this year's Fiscal Year 24 Omnibus Spending Bill. In October 2022, the Senators celebrated an announcement of $60 million in new funds from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law to support the completion of the conduit. The Senators also secured $10.1 million for the project in the Fiscal Year 23 Omnibus Spending Bill, which was signed into law in December, and $10.5 million in the Fiscal Year 22 Omnibus Spending Bill. That story, $100 million in funding comes through for Arkansas Valley Conduit. Continuing in the news, survey work of U.S. 50 and U.S. 291 intersection will have traffic impact. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. We knew it was coming. 
Next week, for approximately three days, Chafee County residents can expect a traffic impact at the intersection of U.S. 50 and U.S. 291. Motorists can expect brief delays in Salida next week at that intersection. The Colorado Department of Transportation, CDOT, will be performing survey work on the southeast end of Salida, August 1st through 3rd, at this intersection, as CDOT begins planning to improve the intersection. Motorists should anticipate full stops and up to 10-minute delays at the intersection of East Rainbow Boulevard, U.S. Highway 50, and Oak Street, Colorado 291. Old Stage Road, CR 105, will also have blocked access at times. CDOT is reminding motorists to watch for construction crews, heavy equipment, and flaggers guiding traffic during survey operations and to open the flagger directions. That story, survey work of U.S. 50 and U.S. 291 intersection will have traffic impact. And continuing BV Trustees' past development water allocation and dedication policy to address town's water supply. This posted by Carly Winchell. Water ordinance passed in 5-1 to one vote during public hearing. At their July 25th meeting, the Buena Vista Board of Trustees approved a new water dedication and allocation policy that has been in the works since before November 2022. Some were concerned the policy would discourage investors or developers due to new time constraints placed on developing major subdivisions. But all present recognized that water is a problem that won't just be going away. The topic addresses the town's two major issues, housing and water. According to language in the ordinance, The Board of Trustees has found that water allocation restrictions are necessary to make the best use of the town's water supply, ensure development progresses at a sustainable rate to prevent the overcommitment of the town's water supply, guide decisions by staff and decision-making bodies as to the availability of water for development, and to further the goals set forth by the town in its comprehensive plan and water resource master plan. The approved changes, presented in the June 29th meeting, codify the water allocation policy, add flexibility to language in the code, set boundaries on how long the town will obligate water to a development, and clean up language in the code. The largest point of contention with the water allocation policy involved the 10-year time limit in which a developer must complete construction or else risk losing their dedicated water. Chafee County Economic Development Corporation EDC Executive Director Jake Reshevi spoke out against parts of the policy during public comment, citing concerns that codifying the water allocation policy is a dramatic step. Using water policy as a tool to manage growth seems inappropriate when other methods, including zoning and subdivision approvals, which include public input, are already used for that purpose, said Reshevi. He encouraged the board to consider adding a provision to allow for extensions or to eliminate the expiration policy altogether. Dan Niamela spoke during public comment to echo Reshevi's comments. 
Niamela emphasized the need for the town to invest in water planning and make it a priority. Niamela also encouraged keeping the two-part approval process for water dedication. Planning Director Joel Benson emphasized the point that the 10-year time limit may potentially not come into play depending on the town's water supply at the time. Essentially, if water is available at the time of expiration, those developers will not need to worry. But if there is not enough water, the development's water would be given to a different project. Trustee Peter Hilton Hinga agreed that the 10-year expiration may need some wiggle room, but cited concerns about making it so flexible as to be irrelevant. I think there should be some sort of leeway there, but not so much so that everyone is like, mm, don't worry, the 10 years is arbitrary, and we can just push past it. Ideas floated to increase flexibility in the timeline included extensions as incentives for including affordable housing within a development or consideration of extenuating circumstances in the event of something unexpected like a recession or another pandemic. In the end, Trustee Sue Cobb moved to accept the ordinance as written and Trustee Devin Rowe seconded the motion. A roll call vote ended with five to one in favor of the ordinance, which passed. New trustee Andrew Rice was the only vote against the measure. At the end of the night, Benson suggested to the Board of Trustees that they could consider ending the 120-day moratorium on new subdivision applications in light of passing this water allocation policy. The hope is that this new policy will help alleviate the two major issues that the town faces, housing and water, thereby eliminating the need for the moratorium. Benson, as well as the board, appear to recognize that there are likely unknown negative externalities that may yet arise and are prepared to continue to revisit the policy if necessary. The 417-page packet for the meeting is accessible online at a link in this article. The specific changes initiated by the ordinance are described on pages 100 to 107 of the packet. The full meeting can be viewed on YouTube. That story, entitled BV Trustees Pass Development Water Allocation and Dedication Policy to Address Town's Water Supply. Also in the news, Buena Vista Town Administrator candidates speak in trustee work session. This posted by Carly Winchell. This week, the Buena Vista Board of Trustees and the public got a chance to hear from the three final candidates for the open town administrator position in Buena Vista, Brian Berger, Jared Biggs, and Danette Garcia. Each of the three candidates had 10 minutes to introduce themselves before a 15-minute question-and-answer session. The full meeting is available to view on YouTube. Brian Berger Brian Berger was the first to speak. Berger is currently the town administrator for the town of Poncha Springs. Raised in Kansas, though his wife was born in Salida, Berger explained that he liked the idea of being born and raised in the same spot and wishes to do the same for his kids. He assured the board he would be in it for the long haul with an 18-year minimum, given that he has a three-week-old at home. Berger has the benefit of already being familiar with the Chafee County area, while the other two candidates would be moving into the area for the role. 
This is an extremely attractive position to me. Long term, I want to stay in Chafee County. This provides the best of both worlds to be able to have experiences and new challenges while being able to stay in Chafee County and contribute to the success of this year, said Berger. Mayor Libby Fay expressed concern over the lawsuit between Ponja Springs and Salida. Could you talk a little bit about the role you played in that, and why did it end up as a lawsuit rather than a mediation? asked Fay. Berger responded that they did try to do mediation, and his position primarily was to organize and facilitate meetings between the organizations. My board was willing to give a little, and they did, but unfortunately it was not reciprocated on the other side, said Berger. He emphasized that the issue was more with the utility enterprise than a battle between two towns. My position was really to make sure they were armed with all the information fully aware of what the impacts were and what the next step was all the way down the line, said Berger. At the end of the day, I think it's two organizations trying to look out for their particular residents. Trustee Cindy Swisher expressed concern over the massive growth in Poncha Springs. We in BV have several subdivisions that are in the works, said Swisher. We're reaching a point where we're thinking slower, more planned, thought out, Do you have problems slowing down? No, not at all, assured Berger. Change is hard, growth is hard, and managing growth is even harder. If we want to set what that pace looks like, I have no problem with that. Jared Biggs Jared Biggs joined via Zoom from his father-in-law's office in Montana. Growing up in Monte Vista, Biggs cited Buena Vista as a frequent destination throughout his life. Biggs explained that he had been working with or in local governments for the last 17 years, most recently as the assistant finance director in Durango. He also spent about a decade with the Colorado Department of Local Affairs in Denver, providing small-town consultancy, grant outreach, and rate study assistance. I have been passionate about local government service for my whole career, said Biggs. I fell in love with it when I was coming out of college. And I see Buena Vista as a fantastic opportunity to continue those efforts with a great staff and a great community. He also expressed a deep background in water resource management, suggesting that he could jump into the water rights portfolio a little easier than others. I like to geek out about this kind of stuff as well. It's kind of fun to me, said Biggs. Trustee Peter Hilton Hinga asked how Biggs would seek guidance or advice as he moves into the role. Biggs cited a number of reliable mentors and colleagues that he has cultivated over the course of his career that he could potentially lean on. Biggs also explained that his leadership approach starts with listening, and he plans to listen to those in the community and on the staff and learn from them and their experience. That leadership team that already exists in BV, I think that you have a fantastic team already developed and I want to take advantage of that by keeping them doing the good work they're doing today and also pushing and challenging them, said Biggs. Danette Garcia Danette Garcia was the final candidate to speak. Garcia has been working in local government for the past 10 years, predominantly in the town administrator or city manager's office. Garcia worked as the assistant to the town administrator in Addison, Texas. 
Garcia explained that in Texas, getting a job at Addison is known as the golden ticket because the city manager has an important goal of building the profession. There she spent time in all the various departments. After moving to Littleton, Colorado, Garcia spent three years working in public works for Greenwood Village and later as the assistant town administrator in Parker. She emphasized her communication skills and ability to engage with and build collaborative efforts within the community. Garcia said she has a collaborative leadership style, making it easier for her to work with others and bring people together. I have spent my entire career in local government forging those relationships and building consensus, said Garcia. I think building consensus is more important than compromise, and you can't build consensus unless you speak to everybody involved. And that's speaking to the community. It's speaking to the department directors and understanding what their expertise is. It's speaking to your regional partners and everybody else who is affected by the decisions that are made. Trustee Sue Cobb pointed out the difference in budget size between some places like Parker and how much smaller it is for Buena Vista. Can you work with that? asked Cobb. Garcia replied that the first thing she does is look at the budget. She complimented the town on the number of grants they've been awarded. The answer is yes, said Garcia. I can work with whatever budget is given to me. It's all a matter of scale. Garcia said she would work to identify any other potential revenue streams that maybe are being missed and try to balance all the ideas with the amount of money to do them. I think that would be my role, constantly prioritizing and adjusting and readjusting. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.